Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 191 called Samantha. Hello, Infertile AF listeners. This is Blair Nelson over at Fab IVF Mama on Instagram. I am the co-founder of Fertility Rally with Allie, and I am here today to invite you to our fifth Fertility Rally Live happening virtually October 22nd. Fertility Rally Live is an event that we host each fall and spring specifically for the infertility community to educate and inspire you all on your own unique paths to becoming parents or not. And what you can expect at Fertility Rally Live is a keynote speaker, two panels, 12 different breakout sessions, an afternoon reset. And of course, we will end the day with a happy hour like we love to do over at the rally. So exciting news. For the first time ever, we are offering this event to anyone and everyone who is interested for free. We are so excited to be able to do this for our community. So if you would like to join us, you can go claim your ticket at the Fertility Rally Instagram. There is a link in our profile to claim your ticket. It is super easy. The best part about Fertility Rally Live is that you don't actually have to be there on October 22nd. As you claim your ticket, you will have access to all of the content, which is eight plus hours of support and education starting October 22nd for 30 days. So go claim your ticket today. Go over to the Fertility Rally on Instagram. The link is there in our bio. If you have any questions, reach out to us. We cannot wait to see you there. And we cannot wait to offer this to our community for free. Sending so much love to all of you. Enjoy today's show. This episode is brought to you by Magic Mind. You guys, if you're like me, even when you're focused, you're not 100% focused and you're always craving to do more. Lately, I'd been having a lot of trouble concentrating on even the smallest tasks, but then I discovered this little shot called Magic Mind. Magic Mind's mission is to make the world more productive by giving people like me and you the tools to be the best versions of themselves. The goal of Magic Mind is to get you into that glorious flow state more often so you can do your best work more efficiently and spend more time doing what you love. There's two really key ingredients in Magic Mind, and they're hard to say, but I'm going to try. It's ashwagandha and rhodiola rosea, which work together to decrease stress and low-grade anxiety by lowering your cortisol levels. So I have to say, after using Magic Mind consistently for a week, I did feel a boost in clarity and focus. I was able to concentrate, hone in, and check things off my ever-growing to-do list. So here is the deal. I have a 20% off code to share with you guys, and it's infertile20. So to use it, you can go to magicmind.co slash infertile and enter the code infertile20 at checkout. Again, that's go to magicmind.co slash infertile and enter the code infertile20 at checkout. The best part is that they have a money back guarantee. And if you get a subscription, I have a 40% off for you. So that 40% off code only lasts 10 days. So hurry up, check out Magic Mind and let me know what you think. Thanks, Magic Mind. All right, guys. So today I am talking to Samantha Bloom, who in March 2020 learned that she had the BRCA gene variant after taking a 23andMe test. 
she was a mother of twins at the time and she was trying to have a third child and it was just the beginning of COVID. I'm sure you guys remember that very well. So once she was finally able to see her OBGYN a few months later and confirm that she was BRCA positive, her gynecologist advised that she stop trying to get pregnant and instead consider starting IVF. So Samantha's going to tell us even more about this story, all the details, including how she was diagnosed with PCOS as a teenager, and then later in life, what happened when she did go down the IVF road. So it's so super interesting. We haven't talked about 23andMe or the BRCA gene at all on the show yet. So without further ado, this is Samantha's infertility story. Hey, Samantha, how are you today? Good. How are you, Allie? Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for doing this. So the reason I wanted to have you on today, you have such an interesting story. Um, I got an email from you guys, you and your team talking about how you had taken a 23andMe test and learned that you had the BRCA gene variant and it led to IVF and all that stuff. So I don't want to give away the whole story, but it's just a very interesting another angle, yet another angle in terms of family building, you know, when it comes to assisted reproductive technology. So I'm happy to have you here. I can't wait to hear the details of all of this. And we can just start with, did you always want to be a mom? I've always wanted to be a mom. I was just naturally had a motherly instinct. I never had a set time frame of when that needed to happen, but it was definitely something that was always on my mind and something I wanted desperately. Okay. What was your path to family building? So I got married in 2013. My mm-hmm. husband's name is Craig. And um, hey, Craig, <laughs> our first, our path was basically, I knew I had PCOS since I was 16, actually. Oh, you did. So I always knew that fertility issues could be in my future. And I went off birth control about like a year after we got married, just like casually thinking like I needed to be off it if we did want to have kids. Mm-hmm. I got pregnant very luckily without really any any trying, no timing, none of that details, tracking, any of that. And that led to a miscarriage. Mm, so um, that, thank you. That was in 2015. And then, so this isn't actually part of the BRCA journey, but I went on to try we tried with a fertility doctor. I did mm-hmm. four IUIs. And on my fourth IUI, I got very lucky. I was literally about to start IVF and I got pregnant with fraternal twins. Oh, wow. Who are now five. And okay, it, that journey, it was a little bit of a struggle. It led to the most amazing kids who wouldn't have been here otherwise. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't wouldn't trade those struggles for anything. Um, okay. Struggle like in terms of the pregnancy or, or what? Um, the pregnancy actually being a twin pregnancy, it was a little bit of a struggle, but more right. just to get there. Um, oh, okay. So the- it, was, it was at the time where all my friends were starting to announce they were pregnant. I had had a miscarriage. I was not getting pregnant. Um, I basically found out a year to the date of my miscarriage that I was pregnant with my twins. Um, oh, wow. Which worked out really Nicely. Yeah. Can we backtrack a little bit and talk about the PCOS? Of course. It's so interesting that you were diagnosed at 16. Tell me about that. What was it just, you went into the gyno for an exam and they had discovered it or were you having issues or how did Um, it lead to that diagnosis? So I had been having 
irregular periods ever since I got my period. And I had really bad um, acne that even Accutane struggled to get rid of. Okay. Um, so my doctor recommended I get a sonogram to actually just look for PCOS. I was very fortunate in those days. It wasn't as common to look for it. And right away they saw that I had polycystic ovary syndrome. Mm-hmm. Did you, had you heard of that before? Did you know what it was? I didn't know anyone with it. Um, I didn't even know really what they were looking for. I was just grateful that as soon as that happened, he put me on birth control and mm-hmm. instantly I was getting my periods regularly. My, I was 16 year old now with my skin clearing up. Um, mm-hmm. It was just all these things that I didn't know about and that now had answers and a way to treat it. And right. I knew it. I knew what it meant for my future because I started looking into it, but I, I was 16. So it wasn't really something that. Right. So what did they that. tell you in terms of fertility and how PCOS would play into some potential difficulties in family building and having babies? They basically told me that it's, it definitely could create struggles that a lot of times because of my irregular periods and ovulation, once I would go off birth control that it would be hard to time and plan. It's also harder to keep a pregnancy when you have PCOS. And it's definitely something that was always on my mind. My greatest fear was not being able to get pregnant at that young age, um, Mm -hmm. thinking about it. But with that in mind, when I did pick a gynecologist, when I got married, I picked one that was also, it's rare, but was also a fertility doctor. So she did both. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that some, maybe someday down the line, that would be helpful. And she was the one who helped me with metformin and monitoring uh, my ovulation and IUI got me okay. my twins. When you were going through the IUIs, yep. you mentioned, you know, other friends were getting pregnant. Tell me about the emotional stuff that you went through at that point when you weren't able to, you know, do it how you wanted to do it. It wasn't working out you know, I've been there before. So many people listening have been there before. What were you going through you and your husband? So it wasn't something I was really talking about with other people at first, um, which is a very common thing, which is Mm -hmm. a stigmatized thing, but I, I would smile on the outside and then come home. If I was like out, when I found out somebody was pregnant, which was happening a lot, I'd be Mm -hmm. out at something surrounded by people. And you find out this exciting news. And I was genuinely excited because I knew uh, what a gift that was, but I would be crushed. I'd, I'd return home and just be crushed. Totally. Um, yeah. It was something that I like kept very private. And as it got like more and more, I slowly started to tell uh, close people in my circle. And I just felt like a weight was sort of lifted. Um, I didn't want anyone to act differently around me or anything, but I did. I wanted them to know why sometimes it, like it might be a little harder, like for a baby shower or certain celebrations. Mm-hmm. So I found that that, that made the struggle a little easier, just knowing that uh, my story was being shared. And- yeah. We always talk about the power of just not even, I mean, community obviously, but not even that you have to join some big community, but just to even tell one person mm-hmm. what you're going through, it, you know, just relieves that little bit of tension and makes you feel heard and validated and all that stuff. So it's so important to talk to people if you feel comfortable talking to people. A hundred percent. Tell me, okay. So you had the twins. When did the 23 and me test come into play? Was that so interestingly enough, I did that in 2016 when I was trying to get pregnant with my twins. I ended okay. up pregnant in October, 2016, but I had like did the genetic testing at the doctor and I was 23 me. I saw an ad or something for it. Right. 
anything, anything would be helpful. Let me do this. Okay. So did you take the 23 and me to kind of try to figure out the fertility issues? It's, it's, I guess indirectly, I just wanted to see if there was anything that I should know that might not come up in the regular genetic testing, that there was something like out of the box that maybe he could tell me that the blood test that the doctor wasn't telling me because that the doctor, they tested for like 180, maybe 200 something things. And everything came back as normal for me. I didn't carry any genetic things. They don't test for BRCA, mind you, unless you have a known family history Mm -hmm. that wasn't in my tests. So then I did that in 2016 and occasionally, occasionally I would follow up. I'd get emails from 23andMe telling me you have a new relative or you have a new update and it would be like, you're likely to be lactose intolerant or something like that wasn't necessarily life-changing to me, but it's interesting to see. Mm -hmm. And then the March 20th, 2020, you know, week two of lockdown, I got got an update from 23andMe and I was like, what else am I going to do? Let me open it. And it, it made me read a disclaimer, which I had never seen before. And the disclaimer basically talked about the BRCA gene and what it meant. And then it led me to my results once I read the disclaimer and it said that I was highly likely to carry the BRCA gene. Okay. So for someone listening that doesn't know what that is, tell us how that was explained to you or what did you learn? What is it? Exactly. So the BRCA gene is a genetic predisposition to certain types of cancers. There's more than one BRCA gene. The one that I have is BRCA1, and it's a predisposition, like a very high likelihood, 80% or chance about to have ovarian or breast cancer. And for men, there's an increased risk of prostate cancer. There's a slightly increased risk for women and men of pancreatic and um, melanoma. Mm -hmm. Um, but the main ones people focus on are the ovarian and the breast cancer. And it is more likely in Ashkenazi Jews, which I am, um, Mm -hmm. I learned that too. And it's basically, there's a 50, 50 chance if one of your parents has it for you to get it. So it's a very high likelihood, one of the easier to pass on genes. Mm -hmm. So this is March, 2020. And that's not an emergency to anyone. So I was right. I like kind of put it on the back burner in the back of my mind that I was like, I'm not calling any hospital or doctor right now to run this test. Right. So yeah, I nothing would be open it. anyway, yeah. right? Nothing not, was a, open not a priority for them. And not a priority by any means. Okay. Um, so it's just something that I put in the back of my mind. I mentioned it to my husband and I was like, you know, when the world starts opening, I'll, I'll look into it more because what 23andMe says is there's the high likelihood they can't guarantee that right. you should get it tested clinically. Okay. So um, just to clarify the timeline, sorry, you yeah. already had the twins at this point. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Got it. At them at this point. Um, okay. So yes, I didn't know when I was getting pregnant with them about this. Gotcha. Um, How long after you got your initial 23andMe results, did you get this update? Um, it was about four years. So okay. 23andMe is always adding new things. They right. constantly test, which is amazing. Actually wonderful. Um, I didn't realize that. Okay. That's cool. I so didn't there... realize that either, which was part of what was so fascinating. Um, yeah. So then, so fast forward to June, 2020, and I was made my appointment for my yearly um, appointment uh, at the gynecologist. And I showed her my results. And I was like, just out of curiosity, is this something I should be concerned about? Can you run a blood work for us? 
And she was like, oh, this doesn't look very likely. Like, I didn't, I don't think 23andMe could detect this, but she was more than willing to run the blood work. Mm-hmm. Um, so she ran the blood work, which takes some time. So then in August, I returned to the doctor for her to be like almost dumbstruck, but like very complimentary to 23andMe that it's amazing that they were correct. I have BRCA1 mm. and that she had never heard of that before being detected via 23andMe. Wow. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And Immediately, she recommended all the next steps I should take because basically you should very closely monitor your body when you have this gene. To make- okay. So just to clarify, since the BRCA, this gene is so easy to pass on, the yes. recommendation would be considering starting IVF so that doctors could genetically test the embryos and ensure that you're not passing the gene down to your child. Correct. We had okay. just started thinking about and trying for another child. Gotcha. And she told me literally, I, I told her that and she said, stop right there. Okay. Um, there's amazing things they could do with IVF where you could avoid passing down this gene that basically, you know, could set your child up to have cancer. Mm. And they could do genetic testing on the embryo. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead too far, but basically she recommended a fertility doctor and said, you should make an appointment right away. Stop trying on your own just for peace of mind, it would be better knowing that you're bringing a child into this world if possible. Okay. So then did you start the IVF process? So then I I started slowly, but surely started because it was still 2020. Things were still slow and hard to get into. Um, Mm -hmm. I slowly started the IVF process. I went, I immediately made an appointment with a fertility specialist, a genetic counselor, I also made an appointment with a breast specialist and an oncologist, gynecologist, just to cover all my bases. And the IVF process, when you do genetic testing, is a little slow. First, you have to get into a fertility doctor, which took about a month, which wasn't too bad. Then you do a consult, and she read through all the the blood work and everything, and they definitely thought it was the right path. And then from there, you they have to start. I I at that point, I didn't know my family history. I didn't realize there was a family history, but in order to do a better read on the embryo, it's they want genes from two generations to test the embryo against um, for BRCA. So mm-hmm. first we had to get my parents tested. And so fortunately they're both uh, around. So both they both got tested and we had an inkling that it was my father because he had survived prostate cancer, which mm. at the time was, that's just very common. So we didn't think it, there was any connection. And he tested positive. My mom tested negative. So then we had the two generations of genes to test the embryo against um, when running the IVF genetic testing. So once that was done, um, I was able to start the IVF process of planning for my, prepping for my retrieval. I was doing acupuncture this whole time. Um, So basically I found out in August, by January, I was starting with the retrieval. Um, mm-hmm. so it took a few months. Okay. And then once they do the retrieval, they do the genetic testing, which took about a month after uh-huh. the embryos. Um, but I was very lucky to have nine embryos that were sent off for testing. So, okay. and then that's so, a lot. That, yes. I got very lucky. Um, I do know people in similar situations that didn't. So I am very grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, and four of them were healthy, strong embryos without the BRCA gene. Wow. Which was again, another blessing. And then did some of the other ones have it? So some of the other ones had it, or they just were genetically not strong enough. They weren't Mm -hmm. a good quality. So I have two boys. I had 
three boys that were BRCA negative and one girl. I mm-hmm. took my shot on my transfer with the girl. Mm-hmm. And I have a healthy baby girl today who is BRCA. Oh my gosh. And I'm very grateful. She's eight months now. Wow. So tell me about the process of doing the transfer. How did the two week wait go for you? And then what was it like when you found out that you were pregnant and that, you know, everything was going smoothly? The two week wait was, I think it was probably easier this time than with my twins. Cause I knew I had kids at home and they were also just very distracting, which was great. I just kept busy with them and tried not to focus on the fact that something magical could be happening right now. And right. I just tried not to stress myself or my body and just lived each day, took them to school, did what I had to do. And Fortunately, I found out, I found out the day after their fourth birthday. So I didn't want to find out on their birthday just in case, because that, mm-hmm. that could be a, a sad day and I didn't want to turn it sad. Right. So I found out the day after my twin's fourth birthday. So I found out on May 7th of 2021 that I was pregnant. Um, okay. Girl. Oh, um, that's so amazing. And it's so cool that, you know, there is this technology and these tests out there, you know, where you're able to take these kind of preventative health measures, right? I mean, it could have been a totally different story had you not done the testing. Absolutely incredible. I Mm -hmm. knowledge is power and I'm so grateful to science, to 23andMe that I now know for my future, for my daughter's future, to look into it for my um, twin son's future, since I don't know if they have it or not. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. Are you, yeah, I was going to ask that. So with the twin sons, will you have them tested at some point? So when I met with the genetic counselor, they basically said it's more of a moral issue to test them before they turn 18 and can give consent. Mm. So um, I definitely will recommend that they get tested when the time comes. But fortunately, especially with boys, there's not something that sh- should be an issue until that point. But yes, mm-hmm. I definitely would love for them to want to know. Okay. So in their hopeful childbearing future, they right. will have that knowledge. So does it seem to you that this is becoming more and more common? Like, I'm sure you've told all your friends and family members, like, get tested, you know, find out what you have. Like, what are some of the other positives that have come out of this whole thing for you? There's so much. I love sharing this story. Um, obviously, there's a lot of like challenging parts that came out of it, but I I just, it really is knowledge is power. And I really, it's sad that they don't just automatically test for these genetic conditions mm-hmm. um, in the doctor's office, especially when you're trying to have kids. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing that I now know and I can plan for my future. I will be having a hysterectomy. I will be having a bilateral mastectomy. I don't want to have to stress every six months when I go for my exams, whether or not they're going to find something. Um, uh-huh. When will you do that? Do you think? So with BRCA1, so BRCA1 and BRCA2, they have different recommendations. With BRCA1, they recommend everything. They recommend doing all that before you turn 40 and I am 36. Okay. The hysterectomy will probably be next year and a year or two after that, I will do the mastectomy since it's easier to look for breast cancer than ovarian. Mm, Okay. Hysterectomy. Yeah. Wow. Um, It's so interesting. And I think the whole, you know, specifically your story is so interesting, but it's also just the larger message here, which is like advocate for yourself, obviously, you know, get testing done. And, you know, like you said, knowledge is power, like the empowerment that tests like this and other tests are giving to people who are building their families is so cool and so important. And I feel like there's just going to be more and more things that come out, you know, over the years, like it's, it's, we barely scratched the surface, I feel like on all of this stuff. So 
if somebody is, you know, not sure, like what, what, what would be your advice in terms of taking, you know, getting tested for specific things and like, you know, if someone's not sure if they should do it, what would you say? Well, I would definitely say, um, anything that you think that you could possibly be at risk for get tested. Even my insurance gave me a hard time when I ran the BRCA test because I didn't have a known family history. They were going to charge me a lot of money. As soon as it came back positive, there was no bill, but I wasn't scared off by that. I know things like that are scary money wise, et cetera, but if it's your health and it's your future, there's certain risks that are totally worth taking. I, I don't know where I would be without it. I'm under 40. I wouldn't be getting mammograms yet, but now I go every six months for that and an MRI. And I just, I know to look closer. I know to even my skin, there's a slight increased risk of melanoma. I go for my skin checks regularly. I just, it, you're, there's, you have nothing if you don't have your health. So I think it's amazing that 23andMe gave me this gift that I know about this and I can be proactive and in any chance, if you think it might not be a big deal, if it's about you, it is a big deal and you should prioritize that. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And thank you so much to Samantha for sharing her story with us. I have one caveat that I want to add actually um, about the 23andMe test. So I'm going to read verbatim what they told me after the interview. Okay. So I just want to clarify one thing. This is from the 23andMe people. So as I mentioned, 23andMe customers can opt in to certain more serious health reports. And if you are eligible to receive these reports, a customer will receive an email notification when they become available in their account. Once they log in, they have the option to opt into the reports if they wish. So some reports like late onset Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, M-U-T-Y-H associated polyopsis and BRCA1, BRCA2 selected variants require an additional opt-in to view. And you will see this opt-in after the general report opt-in. So I just wanted to add that in there in case anybody does do the 23andMe test and realize that the additional testing is an additional opt-in. So just want to clarify that and make sure you guys knew what you were getting if you decided to do it. Thanks again to Samantha. And finally, do not miss, guys, our Fertility Rally Live event, which is happening on October 22nd. It is going to be such a great event. We have speakers all day long covering everything that you can imagine. It's a really diverse group of speakers. So if you're new to the family building world, if you have been here for a while and you want to do a deep dive into certain topics, check out our lineup. You can go to Fertility Rally's Instagram and we have all the speakers on there and the whole lineup. It's also a totally free event. And even if you can't come live, you have 30 days to watch all the talks. Also, every ticket holder gets our virtual swag bag, which has discounts and offers from fertility friendly brands. So there's no reason not to come. If you come the day of and watch all the talks with everybody, it's really fun too, because we do a lot of giveaways and we interact in the chat. So there's a lot going on. This is on October 22nd. The link is in my bio to get your free ticket and you can see more at the Fertility Rally Instagram too. So we really want as many people to come as possible because we've poured our hearts into this content and rounded up this amazing group of experts and speakers. And we hope to see you there. Thank you so much. And thanks again for listening.